This is the big problem with marketing advice, David, is that internet advice goes stale. The best advice from 2015 that you should blog and get organic traffic and do all these things to get to rank in Google, those sorts of um, posts and articles, they're ranking right now because of the domain age, because they've had a lot of backlinks, because they've been online a lot. And so if you go online and you're like, what's working right now? You're going to see the stale advice from six months or six years ago. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build their businesses after long careers as employees. We believe you should be able to do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with the author of Marketing Yourself, Kalen Huntress. In today's episode, you will learn why continuous experimentation leads to marketing success. Stay with us to hear all the details. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more resources. Speak to me or one of our community members to learn more. You can schedule a quick conversation at smashingtheplateau.com slash 15. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash 15. Or go to our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Kalen Huntress. Kalen started his career as an acrobat in the circus, earning and maintaining the attention of an audience as a street performer. He applies those lessons to marketing, where he earns and maintains the attention of a demographic. Kalen is an American digital nomad living in New Zealand and has spent 10 years running an online business while traveling the world with his young family. Kalen is a dynamic speaker, trainer, and business coach who combines his skills as a theatrical performer and technical geek to make compelling virtual experiences. Kalen, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Who is the demographic whose attention you maintain? (laughs) Whatever audience happens to be passing by. (laughs) A lot of the work of, of marketing and street performance, David, is finding the right spot. You know, when I was a street performer, if I was hitchhiking on an on ramp, Uh, where people were zipping by to to get up to velocity to merge into a highway, that wasn't the right time to try and play them a song. Where I did really well as a street performer was small tourist towns, where people were looking for something interesting, and they were wandering and open to seeing something new. And marketing's the same way. You want to position yourself so that the people who are passing by are willing to stop and listen to what you have to say. Makes sense to me. Tell me a little bit about your career and personal journey because it sounds pretty fascinating. Yeah, well, you know, I started as, uh, you know, by running away and joining the circus. And, uh, And so a lot of my early years were spent doing Shakespeare in the Park trying to get people's attention to throw some money in my guitar case. Uh, And so I was, I really, you know, came up from, uh, from being a street performer. And then when I started having kids, I found how difficult it is to support a family as a performer in America. It's, it's really tough. And so I had to find ways to earn a living that allowed me to monetize my charisma. 
And so I was waiting tables. I did sales jobs. I did things that enabled me to enact with people at a mass scale because I had gotten all this training in how to create a relationship with someone that had an emotional connection very quickly. And those skills are very useful in sales. They're very useful when you're waiting tables to be able to come up and develop a relationship and share the options and take the orders and make things happen so that it's smooth and seamless. That's the work of an actor. A performer creates an experience that makes it look seamless, but there's all these things going on behind the scenes. And I bounced around for a while until I found marketing. And the reason I liked marketing so much, David, is is marketing is selling at scale. When you're selling, you're talking to one person in front of you and you're finding out what their needs are and you're trying to position what you sell as a solution to their problems. But with marketing, you're not doing this one-on-one. You're doing this one-to-many. So instead of having to hustle and get into multiple conversations with multiple people, with marketing, I'm able to have one conversation with lots of people at once. So what were some of the things you tried, Kalen, that didn't work before you landed on marketing? Oh, man. Because <laughs> it sounds like there were a few, they were like, it was a little bit of a trial and error process. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, this is one of the things that I learned through my career that has helped me well in marketing. Because marketing is a series of failed experiments. You don't really know what's going to work until you throw the spaghetti at the wall and see if it sticks. And a lot of my career steps were the same way. I've had a lot of, uh, you know, from being a, uh, a carny in a fun house to, you know, to doing door-to-door sales to multi-level marketing. There's a lot of things that I've tried that didn't really get me where I wanted to go, but I learned things in all of those mistakes that I was able to apply to the decisions I made in the future. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So let's talk a little bit about how some of the things that you've learned might apply to our audience, which is consultants and coaches that are building their business. Um, They're typically mid to late in their career. So they've often had, I would say, 20 to 40 years of experience as a high achieving employee, somebody who may be middle management or higher level or an individual contributor who, again, is like mid to high level. They've worked hard, they've done well, and they reach a point in their career where either they would like to have more control over over their destiny and they leave their job voluntarily and they start their own business, or quite frequently, they get pushed out. And they see getting pushed out as a signal that maybe it's time to do something that I really dream that I want to do, yet at the same time, it's quite scary. They go from a place where they're, they have a full calendar, an overflowing inbox, people need their attention all the time. They don't have to go out and seek attention like you've just described. It has always come to them and they have this built-in social structure from their, their job. And then they go out on their own and particularly if they're going, if they're starting off as a solo consultant or coach, they literally are alone. They're the only one in their business. Nowadays, they're usually working from home. So they don't see anybody all day long, except if they have family, maybe they see their family. And the social structure from work is gone. And in fact, when they may try to reach out to their quote unquote friends from work, they discover that their friends from work are now ghosting them. So it can actually feel even worse. And then they have to get up and market and sell something that they've never 
had to sell before, which is themselves. So you've been through a lot of these things. What kind of advice can you offer as to how to kind of get through that transition as successfully as possible so that they can do what they love, get paid what they're worth, and support their lifestyle? Yeah, it's such a huge transition going from being an employee and having the the borrowed credibility of your employer to being out on your own, and it's just you. There's a lot of functional differences. You know, you don't have the, the support staff of other people doing different functions in the business. You have to do it all. And there's also a branding transition. You're no longer a representative of this large entity. Instead, you're just some person who happens to do this thing. And so it's much more important, David, that when you're marketing yourself, you have a clear personal statement. And a personal statement is, it's the distilled version of an elevator pitch. And an elevator pitch is, uh, you know, this paragraph that says who you are, what you do, and why you're amazing. And we call it an elevator pitch because it takes about the length of an elevator ride to get through an elevator pitch. If you find yourself in an elevator with someone, you want to be able to share the basics about who you are and what you do, and most importantly, why they'd be interested in the length of an elevator ride, about a minute or two. But a personal statement is an even more distilled version of who you are, what you do, and why people should care. This is something I I talk about in my book, Marketing Yourself. The first chapter is on the personal statement. And I talk about how your personal statement should be sticky, clear, and short. Usually needs to be about a sentence. My personal statement is, I help experts and entrepreneurs set up smart marketing systems. So you know, at the end of that one sentence, if I'm the type of person who you would be interested in talking with. A lot of the mistakes that that, uh, new consultants make, David, when they're coming out of corporate is they're used to having all the cachet of their organization behind them. I work with this organization as this job title. And that functions as a personal statement. It gives a way for people to understand how you fit into the hierarchy of their network. They know what you do. They know who you are. They know the the purpose you serve. They hopefully know the problem that you solve. But when you don't have the job title and you don't have the company name, you need to replace those thought assets with something that gains people's attention and tangibly describes who finds you valuable. Now, I'll share with you the best personal statement I've ever heard, and it was from a guy named Corey Huff. And I met Corey at uh, Pioneer Nation in 2015. It was a conference for digital nomads, people who you know made a living from their laptops. And we came together from around the world. We came to Portland, Oregon, and, uh, and I was meeting and greeting with my guild, people who did the sort of thing I do. And I ran into this guy and I said, hey, what do you do? And he said, I'm Corey. I help artists sell their work online. He didn't have to convince me of his value. He didn't have to describe anything else. I knew every artist in my network who was struggling to sell things online, I could refer them to Corey. And that statement that was sticky, clear, and short, it stuck with me ever since. It's been years, and I still remember that this is the guy who helps artists sell their work online. And so the best advice I could give, David, to somebody who's, who's new to coaching or consulting 
who's gone out on their own is to define that personal statement that clearly articulates who they are, what they do, and why they're amazing. What kinds of mistakes have you seen consultants and coaches make when they try to figure out what they do, who they serve, and why they're amazing? Oh, there's a lot of them and they're, they're common and I, they're milestones along the way. So I don't want your audience to feel bad if they've hit some of these milestones, because this is part of the natural progress is you got to try things to figure out what works and what doesn't. And what I often see, David, is aspirational, abstract language. I help people unlock their full potential and decide on the life of their dreams. And it's, it's all very airy and it doesn't have a practical outcome. The coaches and consultants who have something really tangible, I help people double their closing ratio. I help people fill their calendar. I help people achieve this outcome. And the outcome isn't something that the professional has come up with on their own. Instead, the outcome is something that's harvested from the audience. One of the best things you can do when you're, when you're building your business and your personal brand is to interview your target market about their greatest problems. What's keeping you up at night? What are the challenges that you need help with? What do you wish was different in your business? And you ask these sorts of questions to get these phrases that describe the problem, not as you see it, but as your market sees it. And when your market shares how they think about their problem, that gives you language that you can use in your personal statement. As experts, David, we're prone to use jargon, these technical terms that we know what they mean, but our target market often doesn't. That's why they need us. And so when we're having that interface with uh, potential clients and customers, we need to translate this complicated jargon that we know into the simple problem-based language that the customers are using to describe what's going on with them. is very practical, and I see this challenge a lot. So yes, interviewing your target market is one of the best ways to find out how to position yourself. And also you learn if you're really interested in serving that target market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to find out a lot more about them that you might not have known before. Yes. One of the things that I see people struggle with when it comes to interviewing their target market or, you know, just doing market research, which, which is really what that is, is they have a hard time distinguishing between doing the market research and selling. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, this is, this is a really delicate balance because if you call somebody and say, hey, I want to learn more about you, get to know you a little bit better. And then at the end of the call, you say, I have this program that I'm going to pitch you. It can feel disingenuous to both of you. You know, they can feel caught off guard. I thought we were developing a relationship and now you're selling to me. And it can feel icky for you as the consultant to make that transition where we're building a relationship and now I'm going to pitch to you. And so I find this is best handled, David, with a, with a two-step process. When I reach out to somebody and I have that first intake conversation, sometimes I make it explicit up front. You can't engage my services today. This is just a discovery call. I'm going to interview you about your business and your problems and, and learn more about you. And then if I think that there's room for us to do some work together, I'll invite you to a second call. 
And in that second call, I'll tell you about my programs and some ways that we could work together. But for this call, I just want to learn more about you. And framing the conversation that way, it, it really takes the load off so that the person you're talking to feels safe in sharing things with you because they know that you're not going to sell them at least right then. We've got this container of this one conversation where we're going to, to really just dig into the problems and they can feel open about sharing things with you that they might not otherwise feel. But then for that second call, David, you really need to make it explicit. You know, in the calendar invitation, I'll, I'll often put in the title, uh, Kaylin and person talk about this program so that they see right up front. And then when we start on the call, I'll set the frame and say, thanks so much for meeting with me today. I'm really excited. Oh, you've got a cat over there. What time is it? Great. We get all that out of the way. And I say, so the purpose of this call is to talk about my program that I think you're going to be a great match for. And then they know, right. And then I see them not. And then I've earned permission. And so I think being explicit about the purpose of each call and separating the market research from the selling is really helpful. Yeah, that's great advice. Can we talk a little bit about your target market and in particular about finding your niche? Because this is an area where I see consultants and coaches struggle with a great deal. They come out of a a role, again, if, if you're talking about somebody who was high achieving employee for decades, they come out of a role where they're compensated because of often the, the breadth of problems that they're able to solve. So they're, they're multi-skilled and they're used to using multiple skills and solving multiple complex problems that, where one problem can be very different from another. Whereas when you're running your own business, having that kind of target market is not always the most profitable. Yeah. And it dilutes your message if you're trying to be everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. I struggle with this a lot myself, David, because I have two different target markets. I've got experts and entrepreneurs, the types of people who hire me for digital marketing or buy my book or have a personal brand. But then I also do a lot of corporate work. I do a lot of public speaking and I, I work in this area that I call playful productivity where I help hybrid and remote teams develop relationships and get more done through playing games. I don't talk about those two target markets or those two messages simultaneously because they're very different. People who hire me for marketing, they want to hear about my marketing work. They want to hear about how to handle the challenges of their personal brand. But I also have this other completely separate target market where I talk about how to use Zoom better, how to develop relationships with a distributed team. And the people who hire me who work in mid-level corporate, they don't want to know about how to elevate their personal brand. And so the trick is, David, to have, if you need to have multiple personal statements and multiple facets of your business, you can do that, but you need to only show one at a time. Especially when you're first meeting someone, you don't want to overwhelm them with all the different things you could do. You want to give them one handle that they can grasp you with. And that handle, if it's simple, if it's a personal statement that's sticky, clear, and short, they'll be able to hold on to it. And they'll be like, oh, okay, I got David. David does this. I see he hosts this podcast, Smashing the Platinum. Got it. Okay, this is what you do. But if you also talk about your hobbies or this random 
aspect of your business that's very valuable, but doesn't actually relate to the person grasping that handle, then it's going to make it difficult for them to understand what you do. And so if you have multiple different facets for your business, David, I recommend having a simple version for each market and sticking to the message that makes the most sense to the person that you're talking to. I couldn't agree more. Let's talk a little bit about the online world, since uh, that is an area of where you're an expert. What is working online when it comes to marketing and what is hype? (laughs) Well, this is dynamic and always changing. So it's hard to say right now without it being uh, obsolete by the time this podcast airs or by the time your listener is listening to it in, you know, maybe years down the road. So if I say anything right now that is working or isn't, then it's, you know, it might not be applicable when people hear it. And this is the big problem with marketing advice, David, is that internet advice goes stale. The best advice from 2015 that you should blog and get organic traffic and do all these things to get to rank in Google, those sorts of um, posts and articles, they're ranking right now because of the domain age, because they've had a lot of backlinks, because they've been online a lot. And so if you go online and you're like, what's working right now? You're going to see the stale advice from six months or six years ago. And so this is one of the dangers of doing market research through Google is that you might find this well-meaning but stale advice that doesn't apply anymore. And so the only way to really find out what's working right now, David, is to talk to people who are in the trenches and who are trying things. And that's why I'm always experimenting. I'm always running a new webinar or testing a new platform or running a new ad campaign because I want to throw the spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks myself. Just because somebody sent out a tweet 18 months ago that they had some results you know, with this particular tactic, it doesn't mean it's going to work for my market. It doesn't mean that it's still going to work nowadays because the platforms are always changing their algorithms so fast. It's hard to know what's actually working. I think the best way to discover this, David, is to run a series of small experiments and fail them fast. That's actually really great advice. And I'm, I'm not sure that I've heard this before in this show, I'll be quite honest, Galen. So kudos to you. In some ways, this makes me a bad marketer because I should say, you know, well, you know, this is the right solution to do it. And I've got a program that does it. And there's a lot of bro marketing out there that directs their advice that way. But, you know, I've been on the back end of enough campaigns and I've seen people take the well-meaning advice and seen the advice not result in results that, you know, I, I really feel like experimentation is the right way to go. Yeah, no, that's actually really honest and really straightforward. And I appreciate that you shared it. Can you talk a little bit about your book? Yeah, my book, Marketing Yourself, is about how to elevate your personal platform to the next level. And for a number of years, David, my focus with my digital marketing agency, Stellar Platforms, has been authors, coaches, and speakers people with something to say and something to sell. And so I got to know this market really well. Because I have a performance background, I get get along really well with public speakers because, you know, they want to get on stage and gain attention. And boy, do I know how to do that. And I know all the technical stuff to make it happen online. And so I've done a lot of work with that demographic and I got to know them really well. And I found that anyone with a personal platform has the same four cornerstones. There's what you say, what you sell, your strategy, and your systems. 
And if any one of these cornerstones is weak or cracked or it's not, it's lower than the other ones, then your platform's always going to be leaning in that direction. And that cornerstone's always going to be dominating your attention. And so the way that I help people elevate their personal platforms is we focus on the cornerstones. We look at the one that's weak and we shore that up so it's up at the level of the other cornerstones. And then we stack cornerstones on top of each other. And that's the way my book is organized. There, it's 16 chapters. It's only about 180 pages. So it's a pretty easy read, but it's dense. It's full of really practical materials and takeaways, as well as stories from my own work as a, as a digital marketer, illustrating how these concepts work. And there's four sections with four chapters each. And each one of the sections is one of the four cornerstones, what you say, what you sell, your strategy, and your system. Sounds great. If somebody wants to learn more about your book, if there's anything that we've discussed that has triggered a thought and they want to access any resources besides your book that you may have or get in touch with you, where's the best place to go? Well, the best place to go is to my book's website, marketingyourselfbook.com. Uh, my personal website has a lot of resources and a lot of the you know blogs about my adventures, but my name's hard to spell. So if you want to go to kaylinhuntress.com, you can see a whole bunch of stuff there. Stellarplatforms.com is the, the outpost where I keep a lot of my digital marketing work. But if your listeners go to marketingyourselfbook.com slash free chapter, you can subscribe to the Stellar Platforms newsletter and I'll send you the first chapter of my book, which is on the personal statement, which we discussed at the top of the episode. So anyone who goes to marketingyourselfbook.com slash free chapter and subscribes to my newsletter will get a PDF of the first chapter of my book right away. Sounds great. Well, Kellen, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share a little bit about yourself and your insights. My guest has been the author of Marketing Yourself, Kellen Huntress. Thank you again, Kellen, for joining us. Thanks, David. I really enjoyed this conversation. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode with Kalen Huntress, we learned why continuous experimentation leads to marketing success. Are you building a community? Check out Circle, the all-in-one community platform for creators and brands. Bring together engaging discussions, members, live streams, chat, events, and memberships, all in one place, all under your own brand. Circle is the platform we use in the Smashing the Plateau community. I love the way Circle puts your people, discussions, and content all in one place. Get a free 14-day trial of Circle at smashingtheplateau.com slash circle. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash circle. I'm David Schreiner-Khan. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.